0: Inspired.
1: We love God.
0: We ought to be able to talk about him.
2: Getting you started on your day.
1: With the latest in breaking news and information. From the
3: Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time.
4: And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Monday, June 26th, 2023. The Feast of St. Anne. In the days of the Old Covenant, there lived a noble and pious woman named Anne. According to ancient accounts, many of Anne's ancestors belonged to a group called the Essians, And they lived simple lives, wearing humble attire and embracing a purity of customs within their marriages. Anne's birth was foretold by an angel who left a large M painted on the wall of her parents' room. At the age of five, Anne was taken to the temple and spent 12 years there, devoted to prayer and serving God. When she returned home at 17, she met a man by the name of Joachim who would later become her husband. Joachim was a man of charm and grace, and he and Anne shared a remarkable dignity and seriousness in their conduct. Despite their virtues, Anne and Joachim faced the burden of infertility, and it was considered a disgrace in those times, but unbeknownst to them, they were chosen by God for a special mission. In their advanced age, Anne miraculously conceived a child who would become the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Aecians, from whom Anne's ancestors hailed, prefigured religious life in the church, and their devotion and separation pointed to the future callings of monks and nuns. Anne and Joachim displayed unwavering trust and hope, even in the face of their apparent abandonment by God due to their infertility. In our own lives, we may experience delays or disappointments in fulfilling our vocations or dreams, but like Anne, we must learn to trust against all appearances and hope against all odds. God's plans often require patience and unwavering faith. St. Anne serves as a model of trust, teaching us to accept waiting periods and to follow God's path with unwavering hope. Let's focus on the story of St. Anne and let it inspire us to embrace faith, patience, and trust, even in the midst of uncertainty in just a few and they, the we can keep this in mind and trust in God's plan for us. Saint Anne, pray for us. And you know, I just have to just admit for just a second, um, it's actually not the feast of Saint Anne. Her feast day is July twenty sixth, and I was looking at the uh, at July instead of June twenty sixth. And so you got uh, Saint Anna a month early, so to get prepared for yeah. for her feast day a month early. That's totally what I was doing there, hundred percent. Totally wasn't looking at the wrong date. Did not make a mistake. I don't know what you're talking about. Why are you don't fact check me? What are you What are you doing? And good morning to you, Tito Edwards. Good
5: morning, Adrian. What a wonderful day to be alive. Today is uh, the 26th of uh, June, and i not July. Got I'm it. totally with you, Saint Anne. What a great saint. What. Providence says she had that she was unaware that she had uh, coming towards her to give birth to Mary. And that was I love history. And I love that little factoid you put in there about she was from a long line of Essenes. I
4: think, I don't know how the I think it's pronounced Aseans. I, I think okay. I could be wrong, I don't know.
5: I don't know, but I love, now I got something to do later today after work to go study up on that and find out more about that. That, that is incredible facts. Thank you.
4: Yeah, the best place to learn about the about St. Joachim and Ann, I, I think, is from The Mystical City of God by Venerable Mary of Agreda. I love Venerable Mary of Agreda's Mystical City of God, and it has probably the most details I've seen. Mystical City
5: of God her. by Venerable Mary of Agreda. Thank you. Yeah,
4: are One of the patronesses of Texas because of her bilocation to the state of Texas from oh, Spain. Oh, I
5: love that story.
4: So wonderful, wonderful saint. I love her. She's great. Um, what did you do this weekend, Tito?
5: Wow. Uh, a lot. We Had lunch, uh, late lunch with friends uh, yesterday. Uh, Saturday, we did service project uh, in the middle of the sun, the day with the sun beating down. So I think I lost about two or three pounds of water and Friday evening, celebrated, uh, we went to Mass and had uh, celebrated the vigil of the birth of St. John the Baptist.
4: Very good, very yes. good. Yeah, we are currently in the octave, octave. of the Nativity of St. John the Baptist. That's right. Which, the Nativity of John the Baptist is June or 24th or 25th, kind of depending. And the reason why is because he was born six months before Christ. And so you add six months, and you're at December 25th. So there you go. There's your little factoid of the day. So we're celebrating the octave of St. John the Baptist, one of the only saints that we celebrate uh, their nativity. There's only three, I believe. It's uh, Jesus, John, and Our Lady, three people. So there you go. All right. At 15 past the hour, we're going to be discussing Bishop Strickland receiving an apostolic visitation. Uh, one, many people may be asking what's an apostolic visitation, so we're going to explain that to you. And we're going to also say, explain the situation, what we can expect to come out of it. At 30 past the hour, Matt Gaspers with Catholic Family News is going to be on to discuss the document coming out of the Synod of Synodality. He put out a number of interesting articles on this topic, and I think it's worthy of conversation and uh, we probably were gonna barely scratch the surface. It's a big deal, more of a big deal than we really could cover in just a short amount of time, so we'll probably have to revisit this story. And the next hour I'm gonna tell you about my weekend. I went to San Antonio on uh on Saturday and on Sunday I went to a party and I ran into some former Catholics and a Greek Orthodox priest. So that was an interesting little experience and so we're going to talk about that and the next hour plus we have our fear and trembling game show as is our custom so we'll be playing that in the next hour you could be a winner so make sure that you call in in the next hour but let's begin with prayer During the month of June, praying to the most sacred heart of Jesus in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. We offer up this prayer for the salvation of souls, liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church for our friends, family and benefactors and all those we promise to pray for. And especially during the month of June for the virtue of humility against the vice of pride and for the smashing of the LGBT heresy. My loving Jesus, out of the grateful love I bear thee, and as a reparation for all my unfaithfulness, I give thee my heart, and I consecrate myself wholly to thee. And with thy aid, I propose never to sin again. Heart of Jesus, burning with love for us, inflame our hearts with love of thee. Let us pray, Lord, we beseech thee, let thy Holy Spirit kindle in our hearts that fire of charity, which our Lord Jesus Christ, thy Son, sent forth from his inmost heart upon this earth. And will that it should burn with vehemence who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Ghost. God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards.
5: Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Monday, June twenty-six, on Odomini 2023, and these are your headlines and boy do we have them today for you. Catholic News Agency is reporting the Vatican's dicastery of Bishops has completed a formal investigation of Bishop Strickland and the Diocese of Tyler, Texas, according to multiple media reports and confirmed by EWTN News. The inquiry, known as an apostolic visitation, marks a a rare though not unprecedented intervention by Rome into a U.S. diocese and points to possible disciplinary action against Strickland, a widely popular though polarizing Texas firebrand viewed as a culture warrior championed by many U.S. conservatives for a staunch defense of the unborn marriage, the traditional Latin liturgy, liturgy and Catholic orthodoxy. The leader of the Eastern Texas Diocese since 2012, Strickland 64, has faced criticism for what some see as intemperate social media posts unbecoming of a prominent U.S. prelate, including a May 12 tweet that suggested Pope Francis was, quote, undermining the deposit of faith, end quote. 1440 is reporting an uprising by Russia's top paramilitary group against Kremlin officials ended as quickly as it began over the weekend with Wagner Group leader Yegevny Prigozhin going into exile in neighboring Belarus. The challenge to Russian President Vladimir Putin's authority followed months of simmering tensions between the group and military brass. Anyone putting bingo on how long uh, a is going to live? And Catholic News Agency is reporting President Joe Biden signed an executive order on Friday to expand access to all contraceptives approved by the FDA, including contraceptives that induce abortions. And finally, Catholic News Agency is reporting Catholic churches are buying used pipe organs to enhance their liturgies. In one such case in 2021, Holy Angels Catholic Church in Basehor, Kansas, a suburb of Kansas City, celebrated the blessing of its newly installed Opus 5 organ. Originally created by Albert Gauber of Gober Organs, unlike many churches that purchase organs, the Opus Five was not new, but used. Those were your headlines this morning. God bless you all.
4: The gospel of the day comes from Matthew chapter seven, verses one through five. Do not judge others, or you yourselves will be judged. As you have judged, so you will be judged by the same rule. A ward shall be made you as you have made a ward in the same measure. How is it that thou canst see the speck of dust which is in thy brother's eye, and art not aware of the beam which is in thy own? By what right wilt thou say to thy brother, Wait, let me rid thy eye of that speck, when there is a beam all the while in thy own? Thou hypocrite, take the beam out of thy own eye first, so thou shalt have clear sight, to rid thy brothers of the speck, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is an amazing passage, and this is about the uh, the, ver- the very first line of that first verse. Is the only verse that 99% of people know from the Bible. They say, oh yeah, I know the Bible. Doesn't the Bible say, thou shalt not judge? Did you read the whole thing? Because right here in verse 5, it very clearly says... Take the beam out of thy own eye first, and so thou shalt have clear sight to rid thy brothers of the speck. This is very important because our Lord is telling us we can judge. We just need to judge rightly. We just need to not be hypocrites. Now, Cornelius Allopidae, commenting on this passage, he has a lot to say. He says, judge not rashly and malignantly. That ye, Christ does not here prohibit the public judgments of magistrates by which they condemn the guilty and absolve the innocent, for this is necessary in all commonwealths, but only private judgments, and that when they are rash, envious, detractive, for they are repugnant to charity and justice, yea, to God himself, whose office of judgment is usurped. So this is very important to keep in mind because... If we were to take this uh, literally and say, well, this obviously is condemning all judgment. Well, then we cannot have a court system. Then a court system would be against the Bible. Yet we see from the very earliest days, we have court systems. And not only this, but we see the apostles who are said, whose ever sins you forgive are forgiven. Whose ever sins you withhold are withheld. They have the power of binding and loosing of forgiving sins, which means they must make a judgment. Upon whether or not someone is sorrowful in order to withhold or to give forgiveness. Now he goes on, he says, For we have not been sent to be judges, but companions of our neighbors. Wherefore, if we have an evil opinion of him, we do him an injury. And we take away his good fame. If we let this judgment go abroad, for reputation is a great good greater far than riches. So, St. Jerome, Bede, and Basil, the gloss says, There is a scarcely anyone who is found to be free from this fault. Now, here says St. Augustine, concerning those things then which are known to God, unknown to us, we judge our neighbors at our peril. Of this the Lord hath said, Judge not. But concerning things which are open and public evils, we may, and get this, listen very carefully to this part, we may and ought to judge. And rebuke, but still with charity and love, hating not the man, but the sin, detesting not the sick man, but the disease. For unless the open adulterer, thief, habitual drunkard, traitor were judged and punished, that would be fulfilled, which the blessed martyr Cyprian hath said, he who soothes a sinner with flattering words, administers fuel to his sin. St. Anthony gives the cause of perversiveness and rash judgment when he says, We are often deceived as to the motive of actions. The judgment of God who sees all things is another thing from ours. But it is right that we should suffer one another and bear one another's burdens. So St. Athanasius in his life. Be ye that ye be not judged neither by men nor God, ye will escape very many unjust judgments of others or anyhow, Ye will not experience the severe judgment of God. As St. Augustus says, the temerity wherewith thou dost punish another will punish thyself. Injustice always injures him who does the wrong. Now Cornelius Aloppide had a lot more to say, and he shares a couple stories that imitate this life, that imitate this passage most perfectly, and maybe I can share those stories with you during the after show. But here is the takeaway here. We are to judge. But we are to judge rightly. We are to make ourselves perfect as our heavenly followers are perfect, so that way we can see clearly, see with pure eyes, and judge rightly. But we don't judge the souls of someone, that's up to God. But we can judge actions. We can say that is bad, and we should rebuke the sinner. We'll be right back with more after this.
6: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to share your
3: Catholic faith with one another.
6: Wouldn't it be great if everyone eagerly shared their faith? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, I accept some of the things the church teaches, but I could never embrace the entire creed because there are some things in it that I just don't have any use for. G.K. Chesterton says, you might as well say that there's a great many things in the Encyclopedia Britannica that you don't have any use for. The church, like the Encyclopedia, is meant for everybody and not just for you. It is meant for everybody, which just happens to include you. The Catholic Church is a combination of things that are nevertheless one thing. We cannot accept only part of it, without rejecting all of it. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at www.chesterton.org.
4: And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. It's always good to be here, even despite the horrible news going on around the world, but especially in our neck of the woods, in our backyard, there's always bad news going on, but at the end of the day, it's good to be here. It's good to be here with you. Now, the story here, and this is really the only story we're going to have time to cover for today because it's a big deal, is the story with Bishop Strickland. Maybe you heard over the weekend, maybe you didn't, but I'm going to be letting you know now, and Tito mentioned it in the in his news break a second ago. The story here is that Bishop Strickland is receiving an apostolic visitation, and I want to start with explaining what an apostolic visitation is. So, an apostolic visitation is when the Pope, and really it's called by the Pope himself. And this is pretty much a action of the of the Pope or the papal office. And he can obviously delegate those kind of things to other people, but he sends uh, bishops or priests. But in this case, bishops. In most cases, he sends bishops to investigate different groups or orders or dioceses. And so they will be bringing a bishop and they will investigate what's going on there. And so the National Catholic Register put out a great explanation of this. They said here that according to the dicastery, the doctrine of the faith, an apostolic visitation is an exceptional initiative of the Holy See, the Holy See being the papal office, that involves a delegated visitor or visitors being sent to evaluate an ecclesiastical institute such as a seminary, diocese, or religious order on behalf of the pope. Apostolic visitations are intended to assist the institute in question to improve the way in which it carries out its functions in the life of the church. Now, this is uh, very concerning the way this happens, because Pope Francis has a lot of history using apostolic visitations. In fact, the National Catholic Register reports here that practices have been employed frequently by Francis during his ten-year pontificate. Bishop Daniel Fernandez Torres, the Diocese of Archiedo in Puerto Rico, was reportedly the subject of an apostolic visitation made by Chicago's Cardinal Plaise Supich before his removal from office on March 9th, 2022. Now, there is uh, the reason why was never given officially. However, it was reported that it was due to insubordination to the Pope likely related to Bishop Fernandez's breaking from his fellow Puerto Rican bishops by not sending his diocesan seminaries to a newly established national seminary and also refusing to sign a joint statement on the duty to receive the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, several other bishops have been removed from their diocese or given early retirements after receiving apostolic visitations. This happened to Bishop Martin Hawley, who was uh, in October 24, 2018, the diocese of Memphis, Tennessee, after a three day apostolic visitation in June 2018, Archbishop Gregory Wilton, and then the Archbishop of Atlanta, then another, Bernard Hebda of St. Paul in Minneapolis. All of these were give. they people were looking into allegations of mismanagement, and personal and finances. So, all these different situations, there are tons and tons I could give you and list you tons of examples where Pope Francis sends an apostolic visitation, and then the bishop is. Gone, gets jettisoned, gets bugged. This is very concerning. So now we see, okay, this is the context in which we see Bishop Strickland getting and um, putting, giving an apostolic visitation. So a number of outlets are reporting this. I kind of gathered information from all of them. So to give credit to at least a few that I can remember off the top of my head of the the Pillar Catholic, uh, Catholic Vote, Cat- National Catholic Register, and uh, Site News, Church Militant. Uh, a number of articles, a number of outlets have been reporting on it, and I kind of read all of them in order to try to get a full picture of what's going on. Also, where Peter is is another one I read here for this. Here it says Witnesses confirmed to Catholic vote that the apostolic visitation is being led by Bishop Dennis Sullivan of of Camden, New Jersey, and Gerard Frederick Kicanis. Kicanis? I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Retired Bishop of Tuscan, Arizona and former Auxiliary Bishop of Chicago, Illinois. Both bishops, accompanied by two priest experts in canon law from out of town, interviewed the witnesses about what they know regarding the personal life and pastoral activities of Bishop Strickland. Now, if you don't know who these bishops are, I wouldn't blame you because I didn't either, so I had to look them up. I was looking at Bishop Sullivan first, and he was the Vicar General for Cardinal Dolan of New York. And I thought that was very interesting because Cardinal Dolan of New York has a little bit of a negative um, press. I believe he was the one who was uh, reportedly accidentally sent a tweet saying, nighty-night, baby. And people were like, oh, who was that supposed to be for? He said, oh, that was for my little sister. And everybody was like, you call your little sister baby? It's kind of strange. And Bishop Sullivan was the vicar general for Cardinal Dolan. That doesn't mean anything explicitly. There was also a lot of sexual abuse in his diocese, which he put out very good statements saying he condemns this and all things like that. So I don't know if there's any, anything, a a cursory look at him. These are the two things that came up. And now this other diocese, I mean, this other Bishop, Bishop Gerard uh, Frederick of the retired of Tuscan, Arizona and former auxiliary of Chicago. Now he has a much more interesting story here. When I was looking him up, it says who there is a article I found out from K.O.L.D., which is, I believe, a a local uh, news outlet from where he was from. And it says here that he was it was said that they wanted to show how the archdiocese concealed abuse for decades, including moving priests to new parishes where they they molested again. The records date back to the 1980s, 1990s, a time when Kakanis was a leader in a Chicago seminary that was home to some of the accused priests. Now, Tuscan News Now attempted to talk to Bishop at the diocese office, but he, we were told that unless we kept the case of convicted priest Daniel McCormick out of our story, the bishop would not grant a request for an interview. Lawyers say that the bishop was one of the many Catholic church leaders involved in a massive cover-up related to the priest's sex abuse cases. In the Father McCormack case, court documents state Bishop Kinkanassis was aware of the allegations against McCormack but still supported his ordination to become a priest. So, is this uh, accurate portrayal of the bishop? I don't know. Uh, this is what came up when I looked them up to try to see just who these bishops were. I didn't search for anything. I just simply typed in their name into Google, and these were the first articles that came up whenever I looked them up. So, very interesting that those were the bishops who were chosen to investigate Bishop Strickland. Now, the interviews with Bishop Strickland took place under confidentiality at a Holiday Inn in downtown Tyler. And according to the witnesses, they were required to sign a non-disclosure agreement, something very unusual in a canonical process. The apostolic visitation was requested by the new prefect of the Dicastery of Bishops, Archbishop Robert Francis Prevost. Now, Prevost is a Chicago native and a, number of the Order of Saint, a member of the Order of St. Augustine, served as a missionary in Peru, and he was appointed by Pope Francis to be the Bishop of Chicalo, Chicalo, northern of northern Peru. And November 21st, 2020, he was named by Pope Francis as a member of the Congregation for the Bishops upon the recommendation of who? Cardinal Blaise Supich of Chicago. Very interesting. Things keep going back to Supich. Now, January 30th, 2023, Francis appointed him as prefect for the Dicastery for Bishops, effective April 12th. Now, the Prevost is slated to become the next U.S. Cardinal in the upcoming consistory. Very interesting how these things happen. Now, many people are saying that the reason for this apostolic visitation is not because of his, his good things, but because of this tweet. He said, Patrick Coffin has challenged the authenticity of, the, of Pope Francis. If this is accurate, I disagree. I believe Pope Francis is the Pope. So people who are accusing Bishop Strickland of being a set of a contest, he has very clearly stated, very recently stated, that he believes Pope Francis is the Pope. He says, but it is time for me to say that I reject his program of undermining the deposit of faith. Follow Jesus. Now, this is very interesting because people will say, oh, how could he say such a thing? And yet this synod on synodality that we're seeing, where he saw this, we're going to talk about this at 30 past the hour, it seems like Bishop Strickland is right. So people are accusing him of being crazy and being bad. Hmm, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Because I, I, I think Bishop Strickland is simply telling the truth. Now he goes on and says, the question focused on Strickland's administrative leadership in the diocese rather than on his outside social media personality. The priest told him it was not even primarily out of his rants about Pope Francis, saying that it focused mainly on governance issues. Now that's interesting because in his diocese, there are 21 men in priestly formation for the territory of only 55,000 Catholics, a rate of seminarians per Catholics considerably higher than most other U.S. dioceses. Like Chicago. The diocese is also reportedly in good financial shape, exemplified in part by its ability to raise 99% of its $2.3 million goal for the 2021 bishop's appeal six months ahead of schedule. Now, this is very, very interesting situation that we see being laid out here. Now, the question of his governance, people are saying that they are acknowledging the bishop's Penchant for controversy, one source close to Strickland told the Pillar that the bishop is confident about the visitation. The bishop doesn't want to make too big of a deal out of it, the source said. He's got vocations. The diocese is doing well financially, so by all the numbers, he's doing very well. He's trying not to make a big deal of it. But a priest who was questioned during the visitation said that the interviewers were already asking questions about who might be a good fit to replace Strickland. Hmm, very interesting. Very interesting that they're asking them these questions. Now, there's a number of things that could be said about the good archbishop. I mean, or the good bishop, not archbishop. The good bishop, he is, in fact, the only bishop who is a lo- who is an ordinary. He is the only bishop who is an ordinary to be publicly attacking the errors around the world. He is the only local ordinary who is willing to go out and condemn Father James Martin, his, ho- his pro-homosexuality blasphemy. He is one of the only ones, who, he is the only one who is a local ordinary who is out willing to go out and denounce the evils of President Biden. He is one of the only local ordinaries who is willing to urge people to deny Holy Communion to the former U.S. Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. He is one of the only bishops who came out against satanic groups, against the L.A. Dodgers, against all of these very, very bad things around our country. In fact, this is why so many people refer to Bishop Strickland as America's bishop. Because, yes, there were other good bishops out there, but none of them are local ordinaries. They don't have a diocese. They don't have anything where they are actually in charge. They get sidelined to a ministry. They get sidelined to an office in the Vatican. So that way they are not able to actually have any authority. Now, much more could be said. For instance, there are stories about him um, and the good things that he said regarding, like, for instance, the coronavirus. When he came out and spoke against the vaccines, which now we're finding out more and more things about that. Now, he came out against a lot of the things with the, at the Vatican. He came out a lot of the things against the Synod on Synodality, against women priesthood, against homosexual heresy. All these different things. He's doing the only bishops. So let's say that there's financial mis- mismanagement. Let's just say that he's not very good at governing the local place. I don't think that's true. But let's just say that's true for the sake of argument. How many bishops are bad at governing their diocese? How many dioceses are closing down churches? How many dioceses have no vocations? Are these bishops getting sidelined? That's very interesting that that's the excuse they would give of governance. And yet he's the only one who is willing to teach the faith, who loves the faith, who loves the faithful, and who the faithful love him. So let's say a prayer for Bishop Strickland today. We'll pray for him and keep him in our daily rosaries. I hope you do the same. We'll be right back talking about the Synod on Citadelly right after this.
3: This is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they dis- Despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg.
7: I don't know why I turned on my radio, because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with a Catholic apologist. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality.
0: The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
5: Time show Today is Monday, June 26, 2023, in the year of our Lord, and these are your headlines for this morning. Catholic news agencies reporting LGBT pride displays and merchandise at the retailer Target recently provoked controversy, including calls for boycotts and in some cases apparent anti-LGBT harassment and property destruction. This has been followed by apparent pro-LGBT threats of violence against the company after it removed the merchandise from some stores. Now attorney generals from 14 states and the District of Columbia have written to the CEO of Target voicing support for its LGBT pride merchandise and warning that some actions against Target or its employees can have legal consequences. The June 16 letter to Brian C. Cornell, chair and CEO of Target, came from the Attorney Generals of Massachusetts, Minnesota, Arizona, California, Connecticut, Delaware, Illinois, Maine, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Rhode Island, Vermont, Washington, and Washington, D.C. Catholic News Agency is reporting, marking the first anniversary of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, a group of pro-life leaders rallied hundreds to the steps of the Lincoln Memorial on Saturday with a message that they were united around the fight for full legal protection for the unborn from the moment of conception in all 50 states. Kristen Hawkins, president of Students for Life of America, told those gathered on a sunny, hot summer day that while she celebrated the 25 states that have passed strong pro-life laws, we are in fact living in a divided states of America where a person's location determines if they will survive the abortion gauntlet as we did. Hawkins said the country must become an America where every human being is recognized as the unrepeatable person as they are with equal rights and equal protection under the 14th Amendment guaranteed, not because of what state their mother resides in or if they are perceived to be convenient or the circumstances of their conception. Catholic News Agency is reporting Virginia Catholic school student wins National Cursive Handwriting Contest. Who knew there was one? Excited and surprised were the words that Daisy Almarez and myself, a Catholic school 7th grader in the Diocese of Arlington, Virginia, used to describe her reaction when she found out that she was one of nine national winners among the 80,000 entrants in the 2023 Zayner Blaser National Handwriting Contest, with students at her school, Sacred Heart Academy in Winchester, Virginia, partaking each year. Zainer Blosser, an educational nonprofit dedicated to supporting teachers and students, awards a cash prize and educational materials to students and schools that won awards. Each Grand National Champion receives a large trophy as well. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic Lens.
4: Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up today. Just to let people know, before we jump into our conversation with Matt Gaspers with Catholic Family News, very interesting situation we just got kicked off of youtube because of subject matter and i was told that this was because of medical misinformation which i think is interesting because we were talking about bishop strickland and pope francis sending an apostolic visitation to pope Fr- to bishop strickland and then we get a and then halfway through our conversation we get struck and, and kicked off of youtube for a video we did and it says here that the reasoning for This is medical misinformation in regards to abortion. And yet we were talking about how a bereaved mother was testifying against California's gender affirmation bill in that video that we got strike on about the mother whose child committed suicide. And that's the video that gets rejected, that gets taken off. Very interesting to me how that happens. This is why this is why Catholic radio is so important. This is why we have to make sure that if you care about Catholic radio, if you care about Catholic media, you support Catholic media. This is its not scheduled to uh, to plug. We, we had our share-a-thon passed already. It's come and gone. The But we are so grateful to people who donate to our radio station because this is the only way that we can actually get the news out to people. Because the big tech oligarchs do not want us talking about the true, the good, and the beautiful. They don't want us talking and promoting the true Catholic faith. And if you dare try to preach the gospel, well, then they're going to cancel you. They're going to suppress your reach to begin with. And if you ever say anything that even remotely whiffs of violating anything, they will cancel you. This is something that happens over and over to us. So if you love Catholic Radio, if you love what, the truth of the gospel... Uh, please support your local Catholic radio station uh, with your generous support. It's the only way that we can actually continue to do what we do. If y'all like to watch online, I recommend hopping onto our Rumble stream. That's still going. If you would like there on Facebook, of course, we're on Twitter as well and elsewhere. But I guess Rumble would probably be the easiest for most people. So a very concerning situation that just popped up. And I'm very upset by this because a lot of people will now miss a lot of the things that we're saying about Bishop Strickland and what we're about to talk about on the Synod and Synodality. Uh, But let's jump into that conversation. Uh, Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Matt Gaspers with Catholic Family News. He put out a number of great material and articles on the Synod and Synodality. And so good morning to you, Mr. Gaspers.
8: Morning, it's good to be with you.
4: amen. Amen. It's good to be here. You know, so let's start from the beginning. For many people, they may have not really been following this. They may not really know what we're talking about here. Uh, let's start from the beginning. What is the Synod of Synodality?
8: Yeah, so it's officially the 16th Ordinary General Assembly of the Synod of Bishops, which is something that Paul VI created shortly after the Second Vatican Council, Um, And the theme for this particular synod is called For a Synodal Church, Communion, Mission, Participation. And what's kind of unique about this particular synod is that unlike previous ones, uh, each of which has been devoted either to a specific doctrinal or pastoral subject or to the situation of the church in a particular region of the world, the focus of this current synod, which is like a two- to three-year process, which is also unique, uh, the, the focus is much broader and seems to bear upon the very nature of the church herself, getting into the area of ecclesiology, that branch of theology that deals with the nature of the church. Um, to the point, and this is the disturbing part of seeking to fundamentally and permanently change the church, or at least the traditional understanding of her divine constitution and how she functions. So this, this synod is particular in that regard.
4: So the interesting thing is I was actually – my brother had called me last week, and he had mentioned that he was getting in an argument with one of his Protestant friends. And he had mentioned that, uh, oh, you know, Pope Francis is changing the faith and that they're having some kind of thing where they're allowing the women to become priests and all these other things that are happening. And he was asking me about it, and I was like, well, actually, I mean, it's kind of complicated. He goes, okay, well, how are synods normally done? That's a a normal thing in the church, right? And so uh, Matt Gaspers, uh, tell me, are synods a normal thing in the church? What's the history of uh, looking at synods in the church?
8: They certainly are normal in church history in the sense that bishops have, I mean, a synod is essentially a meeting of bishops. That's probably the most simple definition you could give. And then a synod that's, you know, convened by the Bishop of Rome obviously has special significance given that the Bishop of Rome is the Pope. Um, but I actually interviewed Bishop Athanasius Schneider about this subject last year. My interview is available in full on our website, CatholicFamilyNews.com. If you just search for Bishop Schneider on synodality, you'll find it. Um, but I asked him, I'm pulling that up now. It's, I says, Let's see here. I was just asking him about, you know, what is the what is the historical precedent for synods? And he basically said, you know, yes, the church has celebrated synods in the past, but what's different about, you know, the current the current model, I guess you could say is that um these conversations that we're having are about topics that really should not even be on the table. For example, as you were just mentioning, Uh, female leadership in the church, the whole LGBT agenda and all of that, it seems like the modern version of synods is to push for, you know, unorthodox agenda items rather than to actually build up the faith. And that's essentially what Bishop Schneider told me in our interview. So let's
4: get into the actual topic of this. You start off The uh, Your article on the synodality talking about the opening of the synod, a good place to start, I would say. So let's start there for a moment. People might say, well, you know, this has nothing to do with Pope Francis. Yes, the synod is bad, and I agree the synod is bad, but Pope Francis is not the problem here. Uh, You quote Pope Francis this. Tell me about that.
8: Yeah, I mean— so the reason why the Synod is kind of back in the news cycle recently is that last week the working document called the Instrumentum Laboris for the actual meeting of the bishops in October was released in a, during a press conference in Rome. Um, so up until this point, the Synod has essentially – that's another odd thing about this particular Synod is that it's involved what they are calling a consultation of the people of God – essentially a process of taking a survey of the entire church, the laity, priests, deacons, etc and even focusing their efforts specifically on those who rarely or never practice the faith. That's quoting from the preparatory document. Um, so it's very bizarre in that sense. Uh, but the working document for the, the, the meeting of bishops, which is what a synod actually is, they're going to be meeting in October, was released this past week and it begins by saying the people of god have been on the move since pope francis convened the whole church in synod in october of 2021 so it really is pope francis who got this ball rolling he has said on multiple occasions and it's quoted over and over again in the official documents that Synodality is what God expects of the church in the third millennium. But we'll the right as they and can't we have even to go manage a quick break. Define and we'll be back when we come back. Hello,
3: this is Steve. after attending a non-Catholic church service? Answer, how is the preaching and how is the worship? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, evaluation of worship? That's odd. Who's evaluating worship? Well, here's what really is meant by that. How is the music, the singing, and the audible response of the people? And if that were important, wouldn't that be our Lord's decision anyway? Secondly, Catholic teaching. Worship is fundamentally not tied to music and song, though it can be supported by music and song. The 2,000-year history of Catholic worship is primarily about the representing of Jesus' unblessed Timeless sacrifice on every Catholic altar. It is that moment when the bread and wine are changed into Jesus' own body and blood. We then participate in that worship by bringing our own sacrifice of self, whether sorrow or praise. And thirdly, my take the only evaluation that should be considered after a church or a mass is the evaluation of heart and actions. That is, did we grow in obedience to the royal law of love? Help us, Father. Hey Donnie, in what gospel do
6: we find the Hail Mary prayer? The gospel of Luke. Do we worship Mary? No. Nah. What do we do? Ask her to pray for us. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on.
4: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. Despite the fact that everything is going crazy in the news, that the world is going nuts, bro, it's still good to be here because we know we have confidence in Our Lady, and we know in the end, Her Immaculate Heart will triumph. Now, we're joined with Matt Gaspers with Catholic Family News. We're talking about the Synod on Synodality, and we're talking about, because many people will try to say things like, oh, well... Pope Francis really is not the problem here. It's just the Synod. Uh, But my concern is always, well, who's in charge here? Uh, Pope Francis is uh, the man with all the power at any moment, and we know he's not afraid to wield his power. And so whenever these things happen, he could easily say, you know what? Synod on Synodality, canceled. It's over. We're done with it. He can simply tear up the documents, throw them out, or... He could even just come in and say, eh, those are good documents he got there, but I'm going to do completely different ones that are completely orthodox. We're going to do that instead. He could easily do that. He has that authority. And yet you quote Mr. Gaspers in your article here from Catholic Family News, the, uh, from the moments of reflection, October 9th, 2021, Pope Francis said, quote, If we want to speak of a synodal church, we cannot remain satisfied with appearances alone. We need content, means, and structures that can facilitate dialogue and interaction within the people of God, especially between priests and laity. This requires changing certain overly vertical and distorted and partial visions of the church, the priestly ministry, the role of the laity, ecclesial responsibilities, roles of governance, and so forth. End quote. Now, Mr. Gaspers, my question for you is why is this an issue with trying to have this kind of idea of of synodality with laity involved and reducing the hierarchy, kind of egalitarianizing it, allowing nuns, sisters and religious and lay people to be involved in the synodality?
8: Yeah, I mean, that really is the issue. As I mentioned earlier, it's dealing with the ecclesiology of the Church, the very nature of the Church and her divine constitution, which they seem to be seeking to change. I mean, Pope Francis simply asserts, without giving any real evidence, he says, quote, it is precisely this path of synodality which God expects of the Church of the third millennium. I don't know if he's claim to receive some sort of private revelation uh uh, disclosing that to him i don't know how he presumes to know that but that is his assertion um but he doesn't as i said he doesn't really give a reason for that um the synodality seems to be yeah it seems to be trying to democratize the church i mean he describes the church typically the church you would describe as a of triangle with the broad base of the laity at the bottom and then you have the clergy and the bishops cardinals and the pope at the top he thinks the church should be an inverted triangle with the hierarchy on the bottom and the laity on top i mean that's literally the example that he uses so it's it's in that sense it's literally turning the church on her head so we can that makes sense as why all of this confusion is happening as a result
4: Now, what about the issue? Pope Francis uh, is
8: definitely driving the process here. Yeah,
4: for sure. Now, it's the other thing that's interesting is this bringing up again. It feels like every couple months they're bringing up again, over and over again, the question of women ordinations and the role of women in the church. We saw those famous pictures of women holding the monstrance, which is absolute scandal, and that we see that. Now, tell me about that situation.
8: Yeah. So. Just to get back to this Instrumentum Laboris, the working document that was released last week in Rome, um, it does broach that, that subject of female ordination. Let me read to you what it says. So first of all, this document is basically made up of two sections, uh, the second of which includes what they're calling worksheets uh, that have some hot topic uh, items, including female ordination. So the broad question in which this subject is broached is, uh, is as follows how can the church of our time better fulfill its mission through greater recognition and promotion of the baptismal dignity of women? So it's all based on the premise that if we're not putting women in positions of leadership in the church, then we're somehow rejecting their baptismal dignity. So it's a false premise to begin with. It gets more specific and it says, what concrete steps can the church take to renew and reform its procedures, institutional arrangements and structures to enable greater recognition and participation of women, including in governance, decision-making processes, and in the, the taking of decisions, in a spirit of communion and with a view to mission. And then it gets very specific as far as ordination is concerned. It says, quote, Most of the Continental Assemblies, that was part of the previous phase of the Synod, the consultation phase, and the syntheses of several Episcopal conferences, the final documents of those consultations, call for the question of women's inclusion in the diaconate to be considered. Is it possible, the document asks, to envision this and in that way? And in what way, excuse me? So it's specifically asking for um female ordination to the diaconate for women to be considered. That's one of the questions that they want the bishops to ponder when they meet in October.
4: Now, this is absolutely horrific, and we know that this has been a rejected teaching uh, that we've rejected over and over and over again. In fact, many would even argue that John Paul II himself had declared a infallible statement by declaring that women can never be ordained. And diaconate is a orders. Right. It's part of the orders. And so this is a condemned thing. This is something that we cannot right. change. This was given by our Lord himself. And many people will say, oh, well, our lady is very really pretty great. And she, wasn't she like basically a priest? Or what about Mary Magdalene? She's the one who preached to the good news to the apostles first. But I always say, exactly. Our lady is the greatest of all creation. And yet our Lord did not deign to make her a priest. He had her put in the home of St. John and had her taken care of by St. John. And yet, she is the greatest of all creation. This is not an objection of women. This is not a condemnation of women or rejection of their baptismal values. No, this is because our Lord set up things in a certain way. And because he is almighty God, we cannot change what he has set up. Now, what else, Mr. Gaspers, should we be concerned about from this document?
8: My, in my opinion, the main thing that we should be concerned about is the push for the LGBTQ agenda present in this document. I'll read to you a little bit about what it says in that regard. So uh, in the second half of the document, which has these worksheets that present various questions for discernment, um, the document includes this question. How can we create spaces where those who feel hurt by the church so it's claiming the Holy Mother Church herself is hurting people. First of all, that's a problem. Uh, how do we, how do we re, uh, create spaces where those who feel hurt by the church and unwelcomed by the community feel recognized, received, free to ask questions and not judged? In light of Amoris Letizia, what concrete steps are needed to welcome those who feel excluded from the church because of their status or sexuality? For example, it says in parentheses, remarried divorcees people in polygamous marriages if you can believe that lgbtq plus people etc notice how there's no qualifying language that these people are living chastely and they want to be faithful to the teachings of the church it's simply accept them as they are remarried divorcees people in polygamous marriages people who are presumably practicing unnatural vice in their lives, LGBTQ plus people, et cetera.
4: Yeah, that is incredibly, incredibly concerning. And, you know, it's interesting the mention of polygamous situations because, I mean, everyone who is uh, divorced and remarried are are committing polygamy in a way. And so that's a very, very concerning situation. Right. It seems like he's following in the footsteps of previous documents as well now there's much to be said there but i want to switch over maybe we have time we'll come back to this as well because the lgbt thing is a massive massive deal but let's touch on the ecumenism and environmentalism aspect as well and we can circle back if we have time
8: yeah that also that seems to be kind of a fundamental part of this whole process of synodality they're definitely pushing ecumenism and environmentalism um, the ecumenism, obviously, is, is a result of Vatican II. So in a, one of the previous um, documents for, in the synodal process called the Working Document for the Continental Stage, which is still part of the process, it says the following. A synodal process is incomplete without meeting brothers and sisters from other confessions, sharing and dialoguing with them, and engaging in common actions." The reports from various Episcopal conferences express a desire for deeper ecumenical encounter and the need for formation to support this work. It goes on. The people of God express a deep desire to hear the cry of the poor and that of the earth. So very Laudato Si type language. (laughs) In particular, the reports invite us to recognize the interconnectedness of social and environmental changes and to respond to them by collaborating and forming alliances with other Christian confessions, believers of other religions, and all people of goodwill. This call for renewed ecumenism and interfaith engagement is particularly strong in regions marked by greater vulnerability to socio-environmental damage and more pronounced inequalities, end quote.
4: Yeah, this is absolutely insanity, what we see here. And here's a thing. What's the point of the church if we open the door so wide that there is no difference between the church and the world? If there's no difference between us and everybody else, then what even is the point? And so, Matt Gasper, the question, I guess, comes, what do we do about this?
8: Yeah, I mean, people have been getting involved with the consultation phase where people were able to go at their local parish or whatever and express their views, their opinions, their concerns. That phase is pretty much over with, and, you know, the view – some pushback has been documented in the um, various, you know, national syntheses documents, the working document for the continental stage Um little bits of resistance have been documented in those, but for the most part, it's pushing very clear agenda items. For example, this this language about remarried, divorcees, polygamous marriages, LGBTQ people, has been in several successive documents throughout this uh, consultation process. So at this point, I mean, I think our best weapon is always prayer, especially the Holy Rosary. Our Lady of Fatima asked us to pray the Rosary daily, And Sister Lucia revealed in a 1957 interview that God has really granted a special efficacy to the rosary in our times, which are so wicked and evil uh, for all of this, what she referred to as diabolical disorientation in the church and the world. So we certainly need to be praying for our bishops, for the cardinals when they meet in October. Hopefully the more conservative, traditional-leaning ones are getting themselves organized now in order to, you know— uh, effectively oppose this agenda but uh, you certainly can reach out to your local diocese express your concerns about this new document and and see what comes of that but i think the fight is really in the hands of the bishops at this point so we need to be praying for them amen amen we
4: definitely need to begin to prayer up fasting make sacrifices abstinence, all these things. We need it now more than ever. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Gaspers,
8: with Catholic Family News. Thanks for having me. God bless you.
4: God bless you. And that's going to do it for the first hour of Catholic Drive Time. We're going to go into our next hour. Make sure you check out those articles, CatholicFamilyNews.com, CatholicFamilyNews.com. We're going to come back, and I'm going to share with you some stories that happened over the weekend. Very interesting. We'll be right back with more right after this wasn't really in um, my faith. There was more to life than what I was doing. I walked into the church and I uh, really believed that uh, putting my hand in the holy water that it was going to bubble over and the church was going to collapse and I was really nervous. I couldn't imagine life without being a part of the church. When I walk in the doors of the Catholic Church now, I feel alive, complete, and at home.
3: If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. When determining specific moral truths, most Christian churches say they use the Bible. So it's safe to say that they have agreement on doctor-assisted suicide, abortion, contraception, and embryonic stem cell therapy. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a challenge for you. Speak with the five closest non-Catholic church pastors near to where you live. Inquire if they only use the Bible to determine their church stances on these issues. Secondly, my findings, there are some similarities. On abortion, but varied with two key exemptions. No common stance on embryonic stem cell therapy, contraception was accepted by all, and no across the board agreement on doctor assisted suicide. And thirdly, my comeback should these social issues of life really be determined through individual conviction? Well, maybe we should just leave the determinants of salvation up for grabs also. Remember, the ones Jesus called the least of these will always be in grave danger if their existence is left up to individual conviction. Finally, check the very stance of the Catholic Church on these weighty issues. It's impressive.
7: I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked.
0: The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Shining the light of truth on the path of salvation. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi,
7: I'm Karina. And I'm Betsy. And And we're we're with Catholic Catholic Charities. Charities. You're listening to
1: AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network.
4: Radio Radio for for your your soul. soul to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. No matter what happens, no matter how crazy the world gets, despite the fact that everybody is losing their minds, you can always look out every morning, see the sun rising, and remember that Christ is king, that his mother is queen, And at the end, the Immaculate Heart and the Sacred Heart of Jesus will triumph over the world. And there will be peace in the world. And all of our woes and sorrows, all the confusion and chaos will be solved. But it will only be solved when we repent. It will only be solved when the Son of God, He makes things right. There is no political solution to these things. Yes, we should be involved and we should try to slow down the revolution. We should combat the revolution at every turn. I completely think that this is what we have to do as Catholics. But at the same time, we cannot delude ourselves and say that we can solve the problem. We can slow it down. We can make progress. We can help our neighbor. We can evangelize, save souls while we can. But at the end, the only person that can fix everything is our Lord and our Lady. And that's it. That's it. So every time we look at the sun in the morning, we see the sun rising, we can be reminded that it is darkest before the dawn. That our Lord will rise. That he will come and he'll dispel the darkness. Because the darkness cannot comprehend the light. This is something that we should always keep in mind whenever these horrible things are happening. And we also must recognize and cling to what the church has always taught. I was looking at this meme someone posted on on Twitter, and it's funny, it's a picture of of tens of thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and it says previous popes, saints, church fathers, apostles, doctors of the church, and then it's a picture of uh, Pope Francis and says, Yes, you are all wrong. Um, and I think that's that I think that's a fair interpretation of what we see, because it does seem like this synod on Synodality, that these documents coming out of the Vatican, it contradicts the things that we have taught and believed for 2000 years. And whenever you have to say, it's like, okay, well you want me to say, okay, you have, we have to be obedient to the Holy father. And I agree we should be, but then what if there are 265 popes saying one thing and one Pope that says the other thing, Uh, which Pope do we go with? Well, I would say you go with the perennial teachings of the church until things become more clear until things get parsed out till things make sense. We have to cling to, to what is sure before we go into novelties. So I think that's something that to keep in mind during this very confusing time. Uh, what were your thoughts about the whole situation, Tito?
5: Yeah, it's just silly what's going on in the sit The The language that they're using is so uh, sophisticated. They're, they're using sophistry. I like what Father uh, Gerald E. Murray called it, the, the synod of me, myself, and I. It's all about feelings. It's all about feeling good. There's no, nothing about Jesus or the doctrine or forgiveness or uh, repentance or fasting or prayer, but there's everything about feeling good about yourself and 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 being accepted into the church. There's uh, when. I go in, I think, I can't remember who said this, when, when somebody goes into a church, the first thing they feel is repentance for their sins because they so desperately want to receive Jesus in the Eucharist before Mass starts, so they run over to confession. Not you walk into there and you say, oh, please accept my adultery. I'm an adulterer. I identify as an adultering American, and so please accept me. Yeah, we, we accept you, but you need to repent of your sins. Mm-hmm. There is no repentance in the synod.
4: Mm -hmm. You know, that's a great point because, yes, all are welcome. That's true. But not all are welcome as you are. You have to change. Yep. You have to change. Yes, our Lord came and he said, yes, uh, your sins are forgiven. But then what does he say? Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. That is a prerequisite to following Christ. You cannot be welcome in the church. If all you're going to do is try to bring the world into the church, then you are not welcome in the church. But it's not because we hate you, but it's because you don't want to be in the church. You want the church to look like the world, but just be called the Catholic church. And that's not what we have in the church. We have the truth of the gospel. So yes, all are welcome. All are called to repentance. All are called to follow the gospel. And you are welcome here. But there's a requirement. And that requirement, that ticket to admission, is to love God and to love your neighbor. And people will say, okay, well, I do that. I love God. Well, do you? Our Lord tells us, how do you love God? He says, if you love God, then you will keep his commandments. That is a if-then statement. That is a requirement to becoming a part of the church. If you love God, you will keep his commandments. So if they do not love God, that means if you don't love God, you won't keep his commandments. And the other way around as well. If you don't keep his commandments, you don't love God. And you delude yourself by saying, I do love God, because many will say, Lord, Lord, and our Lord will say, I never knew you. I never knew you. So let us dread The possibility that we may come to the seat of judgment and say, Lord, Lord, I loved you. I loved you on this earth. I followed you. And our Lord will look at you. And he will say, go away from me, for I never knew you. Why did he not know you? What does it mean to know someone? In the biblical sense, it was a phrase of intimacy. Because to know someone is to have the most intimate life with them, is to really love them. To know someone is to intimately love them. Now, this is known in the most perfect way in the marital embrace between husband and wife, but it's also interesting to note that to know someone is considered the idea of the marital embrace in the Old Testament. Why is that interesting? Because it also invokes the intellectual virtues, Because I cannot know the interior life of someone, which is why we talk about thou shalt not judge. I can't know the interior life of you unless you reveal it to me. Unless you tell me about yourself. I can never know it. And that's why this is a great form of intimacy to disclose personal things about yourself to someone
5: else. If you're not going to take the the teachings of the church seriously, what Jesus has said and put down into law and the Ten Commandments, so on and so forth... Uh, do a deep examination of conscience, Have an appoint- make an appointment with a priest, and if that doesn't work, you're not going to change a church. You can. There's the Episcopal Church, there's a United Methodist Church, there are the Mormons, all of them are malleable, all of them will bend over backwards to accept you and, and your changes in-, in what you think is morally right. The Catholic Church is from God, and humans cannot change what God has put down.
4: Amen. Amen. And we said it of marriage and uh, that what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And yet, what do we see of the church? The church is the bride of Christ and what God has bound together, let no man put asunder. A very, very important thing. And it, it kind of transitions to what I wanted to talk about this weekend. Uh, this weekend I did a number of things. One, I went to San Antonio for the march for uh, to consecrate Texas, which maybe I'll talk about, have time to talk about during the after show. But I want to bring up Yesterday, I went to a graduation party for a neighbor, and, the, and so we went after Mass, and it was interesting. that I was sitting uh, at the couch with a, a couple people, an uh, older, older uh, lady and gentleman who were there, probably maybe in their 80s, probably. Um, and we were talking, and they mentioned that they were former Catholics. And they were now Methodist, because you mentioned Methodist, you know, which kind of made me think of that. (laughs) And they were former Catholics. And they said, yeah, I grew up Catholic. And I was very interested. I was like, okay, well, what happened? Explain to me what happened. They were saying how, yeah, well, things were, they said, we never were taught the Bible. We were never taught the things, the teachings of the church. We never taught these things. We found it in the Methodist church. We found these things being taught there. And I was like, very interested. I was like, okay, well, explain to me, what, what did you disagree with? And it was interesting she had mentioned well anything fun was considered a sin. And I was like interesting like what? Like what what was so fun that was a sin that you wanted to do. And it was interesting because she had mentioned that she wanted to see Elvis Presley in concert or in the movie or something like that. And the priest and so her mother asked the priest can uh, can we can we allow her to go see this movie? And the priest told her No, that would be a sin to go see those movies. And she was like, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. And I was like, well, it makes sense to me. They said the Elvis Presley was very sensual. He brought about, he was a huge product and, and prevailer of the sexual revolution. His music was very much in the rock and roll mentality. This very tribal music this music that invokes the sensual emotions. It's not good. It's bad. And people at the time were saying, Catholic priest, religious, many people at the time of all denominations were saying things like, if this becomes prevalent, this will destroy sexual morality. And people laughed at them and said, that's crazy that you would think that. That's crazy. And now people today, you look backwards and you look at what happened in the past and you talk about that and you say, okay, what, let's talk, let's analyze the situation. And we said, you mentioned that that happened. They, and they laugh and they say, can you believe people back then thought that if Elvis Presley became popular and rock and roll was celebrated around the world, that we would have sexual immorality and people would be, would be doing bad things and kids would go crazy. Can you believe people believe that? And I'm like, look around. They were right. Look around you. The same people who will complain about their kids and say, oh, yeah, my kids went crazy when they were younger. I don't know how they turned out this way. Oh, yeah, my, these crazy kids these days, can you believe the way they dress? Oh, it's crazy. can you believe the way they speak? They have all this horrible, crazy lingo and slang, and they don't know how to speak proper English. Oh, the music they listen to, so bad, so vulgar. Where do you think that came from? Where do you think that resulted from? It resulted from the generation that came before us. And the generation became before you. This didn't come out of nowhere. It's developed over time. And we mock and scorn our elders. And it's funny because people will make fun of me and say, Adrian, you're so young. You're only 25 years old. What do you know? You don't know what you're talking about. You're just a young kid. You're so arrogant. And I'm thinking... I'm saying that I agree with the old people. (laughs) I'm saying, all I'm saying is, hey, don't listen to me. I'm just saying what the people back then were talking about. And I'm saying they were right. We should go back and listen to those uh, to our elders, to the people who came before us. I'm not saying anything new. I'm not trying to make up my own doctrine, my own teachings, my own opinions. I'm just looking at what to the people before us who are wiser, who weren't invaded by all the social milieu, who, who weren't indoctrinated by this chaos who had purity of heart and were able to see more clearly
5: what was their reaction to you, to your
4: uh to your answer to them uh they uh, got up and walked away wow <laughs> they were like oh are That's... you gonna go take a picture with someone over there and they Sounds walked away. so familiar
5: but, uh, when difficult teachings people get up and walk away but it's it's interesting to me
4: it's interesting how people left during that time how so many people left and they, they, she mentioned how it's like, yeah, but now things have changed. They're more open to these kind of things. And it's very nope. concerning because they, well, in a way they're right. In a way they're right. They're like, yeah, your average priest uh, back then they were like, they were like God to the parish. They were aloof. They're far off. They were, people would go to them for advice and then they would give their advice and they would listen to the priest. And nowadays it's not like that anymore. And I'm like, you're right. But that's a bad thing though. Yeah. That's a bad thing. And there should be that kind of separation because a priest is a father and he should be available to correct you at any moment. And, but we buddy, buddy up with these priests and now they are kind of like, oh, he's just a friend or, oh, he just, that's Frank. Um, No, no, that's, that's not appropriate. That's not according to the dignity of their office.
5: That's Father Francis, not Frank.
4: Yeah, there you go. Exactly. So very, very concerning situations. Uh, Let's pray for everyone who's left the church to return to the true faith that they may be able to work out their salvation with fear and trembling return to the one Holy Catholic and apostolic church outside of which there is no salvation. So speaking of fear and trembling, we are playing our fear and trembling game show. You could be a winner. Call 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. You could be a contestant on Fear and Trembling. Call now. We would love to have you. 877-757-9424. We always take the first caller. Fear and Trembling Catholic Trivia Game Show coming up next. We'll be right back.
3: This is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. According to 1 Corinthians 11, receiving communion in an unworthy manner can result in sickness and or death. If communion is simply wafer and juice as opposed to body and blood, doesn't the possibility of sickness and death just seem a little over the top? So here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. First off, in the Bread of Life discourse in John 6, Jesus says, He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. Note, he said drink my blood. He did not say drink my wine or grape juice. Well, no commentary need it there secondly you're gonna walk the disciples did not walk away from jesus over a symbolic teaching of body and blood they walked over how literally jesus was teaching them also they did not walk over the idea that feeding on christ's body and blood is feeding on the bible no 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 and thirdly your new response my catholic friend when you are asked hey have you received christ your answer is yes every sunday at mass that's how i know objectively that christ is in me
6: Uh, Started drinking beer on Saturday nights, uh, sleeping in on Sunday mornings, missing Mass, and it just became a pattern and continued. Without God, I don't know where I'd be right now. I feel like I'm whole again. I know the importance of the Eucharist. I know the importance of the sacraments that I didn't know at a young age. I follow God's will because my desire is to get to heaven. Our our lives are rich and full by being members of the Church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org.
4: That's the number to call. 877-757-9424. This is the Fear and Trembling Game Show where we give out prizes and you could win. 877-757-9424. You may be asking, what am I calling into? What's going on? Well, it's very simple We have three Catholic trivia questions here, and the trick is that we're not going to ask you the questions. That means that you're not going to have to know the answers because I'm going to ask Tito the questions, and he's going to give me an answer. It's your job to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. So it's kind of like a true or false question. That means you have a 50-50 chance of getting the question right, even if you just guess. If you just call in, you're like, I don't know any of the answers, but I'm just going to throw out one. The chances of you getting it right is 50-50 for each question and so that's the game 8777579424 is how you call in to be able to be a chance at being a winner 8777579424 and every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize Tito what could they win
5: They can win the fear and trembling prize for today is a book by Sophia Institute Press called The Devout Life a Modern Guide to Practical Holiness with St. Francis de Sales. Sophia Institute Press publishes many of the most beloved Catholic authors and distributing over one million influential books per year.
4: Well, thank you very much As Sophia Institute Press. I love Sophia's uh, Institute Press's books. They put out a lot, lot of really great stuff. Uh, but if you want a chance to win that book from Sophia Institute Press, you've got to call in 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four. We always take the first caller. The first caller is going to be our contestant. Eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. That's the number. You can always put us on speed dial and make sure that you are be able to join us uh, wherever it is that you are listening that you can be like, oh, you know what? I It's hard for me to catch where, what exactly is going on there, and so I can't type in while I'm driving. Well, you can put us on speed dial by going to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. If you go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT, then there... You can always find our phone number listed, and you can put us in your phone and put us on speed dial so you can always be the first caller. So make sure you do so. Uh, that number one last time, 877 uh, 757 Joining us right now is John. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm uh, doing great. Praise be to God. It's a, it's a beautiful day. No matter what happens, I'm always happy because uh, Christ is Lord, right? Amen. Amen. Where are you calling from, John?
9: Uh, Fairview, Alabama.
4: Fairview, Alabama. Praise be to God. We love to have Alabama. callers in from Alabama. We don't get too many calls from Alabama, so it's good to hear some uh, representation from Alabama. Now, where where is Fairview located in the uh, the great state of Alabama?
9: It's not too far from Coleman.
4: Okay, there you go. It's not go. too
9: far from Hansville. Perfect. not too far from other Angelicas.
4: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. They, things are not too far from other things in Alabama is what I'm noticing. That's what I'm noticing. <laughs> well, I'm actually going to be, uh, the GRN team is going to make a trip out to, uh, to Alabama coming up um, this October. So it'll be my first time visiting Alabama. I've never been to Alabama, so I'm really excited.
9: Awesome, awesome.
4: And what's there to do in, uh, in Fairview? What's uh, kind of the, the place to stop by at? Hunt.
9: Oh my! My goodness, it's a small, it's a small town.
4: Oh well, then, uh, then we'll we'll stop by the uh, the local cemetery and say a prayer for the the faithful departed. That'll be uh, yeah. the, the thing to stop and do. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Now, where are you off to this morning, John?
9: I'm actually off to a dentist appointment. I'm in the car, off to a dentist appointment
4: oof we uh we love dennis appointments yay
9: (laughs) yeah you you try to make the best of it you know
4: (laughs) exactly offer it up offer it up for the salvation of souls amen
9: Uh, there might be a little pain involved i'm not sure
4: (laughs) (laughs) there we go there we go well john are you familiar with the game do you know how to play Uh, i don't i do not okay it's very simple so I have three Catholic trivia questions here. Now, some of these questions could be easy. Some of them could be hard. And But the trick is that you don't actually know have to know the answer to them because I'm going to ask Tito the questions. Tito is going to give me an answer, and your job is to tell me whether or not he is right or whether or not he is wrong. And that means that even if you just guess the questions, well, then you get a 50-50 chance of getting it right. So are you ready to play?
9: I'll give him a the best shot.
4: Well, let's do it. Tito, question number one. I am ready. You are ready. All right. Here we go. Here we go.
5: Official Vatican texts are published in what language? In what language? Ah, uh, fish in a barrel. Fish in a barrel. It's Latin. In Latin, you say? Yes. Latin. Interesting.
4: Interesting. Not, not Swahili.
5: Not Swahili or okay. Italian. Not English. Not English. Oh,
4: okay. Nope. Okay. Very interesting. All
5: yep. right. All righty,
4: John. The question on the board. 15 seconds on the clock. Official Vatican texts are published in what language? Tito says that it's Latin. Is he right or is he wrong? What say you, John, from Fairview, Alabama?
9: I have to agree.
4: He has to agree. He has to. He's compelled to agree. (laughs) That is correct. Praise be to God. It is, in fact, Latin. Latin is the official language of the Roman church. And that's one of the reasons why we're called the Roman Church, because we are uh, Romans from Rome, which was yep. originally Latin. <laughs>
5: they, they, they got uh, the ATM machines inside Vatican City are in Latin. Is that true? Yes. Really? Yes. Wow, I didn't wild. know that. Yeah, I mean, for- they, they give you English, Italian, but you have an option for Latin. That's pretty cool. I didn't yeah. know
4: that. That's pretty dope. Wow. Well, there you go. You learn something new every day. I I have to go try that out and see if I can use operate it in (laughs) Latin. My my Latin is not that good, but very good, John. You're doing great, and you are one for one, which is a a hundred percent success rate so far. You ready for question number two? I sure am. And let's do it. Let's do it. Question number two, Tito. Okay. By what title does the Church commemorate the martyrdom suffered by Our Lady in union with the Passion? of her son. One more time. Why, what title was the, does the church commemorate the martyrdom suffered by our lady, the blessed Virgin Mary and union with the passion and death of her son?
5: Let's see. Okay. So if if it's a title, that means, uh, it's our, it starts with our lady. And so if it's in union with the passion of her son, so that brings to mind the Dolores. So our lady of Dolores.
4: Okay. Our Lady of Dolores. Yes. All right, John. The question on the board. Uh, By what title does the church commemorate the martyrdom suffered by Our Lady in union with the passion of her son? 15 seconds on the clock. Tito seems to think it is Our Lady of Dolores. What say you, John, from Fairview, Alabama?
9: Yeah, Dolores sounds correct. I'm thinking... um I would say Our Lady of Sorrows but I'm going to go with um I'm going to go with Dollars like like like
4: that Tito uh, says There yeah. you go. That is correct. It is Our Lady of Dolores and which Dolores literally just refers to the sorrows of Our Lady. So really? Our oh, Lady of uh, Sorrows oh. is the correct <laughs> answer. And uh but the, the Dolores fathers like for instance the uh the Father Chad Ripperger founded the Delorean Fathers Dolores Fathers which refers to uh, our La- the, the the priest of Our Lady of Sorrows I mistranslated
5: so, that and yeah, that's the a- so very good,
4: John. Good you, for did, you, you, you John. You did great. You uh, did, could not be tricked by Tito's machinations. <laughs> he was trying to uh, deceive you, but deceive you myself. saw right through that, John. Praise be to God. Way to go. Well,
9: it's not bad for 725 in the morning.
4: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Got, got your wits about you bright and early. Uh, are you ready for question number three?
9: I'll do it.
4: All right, here it goes. Now this question... Could be tricky, so keep your ears peeled. Does that make sense? Keep your ears peeled? That doesn't make any sense. must be an uh, English. Keep your ears uh, attuned? I don't know. Here we go. At what point during a wedding mass is the nuptial blessing given in the traditional rite?
5: At what point? Uh, let's see. Let me recall. 12 years ago, it was in English, and before the... Uh, Pater Noster,
4: before the Pater Noster, which yeah. is the our Father. Our Father. Okay. Yes. Okay. You're saying before the our Father. Yes. All right then. The 15 seconds on the clock, John. The question on the board is: At what point during a wedding mass is the nuptial blessing, blessing given in the traditional rite? Well, Tito seems to think that it's after or before rather he said it's before the our father what say you john from fairview alabama is it before the our father or is it after the our father what say you
9: oh boy i i I really that's a tricky one so i'm just gonna um, go with go with his answer i think
4: you're gonna go with his answer are you sure you want to stay with his answer um yeah i'll do it all right (laughs) Oh, oh, no, it is, in fact, after the Our Father, um, and I, I, if I'm, I'm pretty sure, and so I, I pretty much, I'd rarely go to, uh, I'm not super familiar with the marriage ceremony, but I'm pretty sure it's after the Our Father in both the traditional rite and the new liturgy as yeah. well. I think it's both, it's after the Our Father in both forms of the liturgy, so there you go. There you go. Oh. You got two, someone...
5: though. Your name in the coffee cup.
4: Yeah, no no fret. You're in the coffee cup exactly. of divine providence twice. So that's a okay. pretty great odds. I'm happy with that. Praise be God. So you have to tune in on Friday to see if we draw your name, and maybe you'll get the uh, Sophia Institute Press book on the devout life with uh, St. Francis de Sales. So a very, very excellent book, and we'll be giving that out. So make sure you tune in on Friday to see if we draw your name. Sounds good. All righty, John. God bless you. God love you. And uh, good luck at your uh, dentist appointment. I hope everything goes well.
9: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm hoping the same thing, sir.
4: For sure. Now, wait on hold. We're going to make sure you get your contact information. So if we draw your name on Friday, we can get in hold of you. So stay on the line. I'm going to put you on hold. But God bless you. God love you. And have a great week.
9: God bless. Thanks much.
4: And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you can join us, well, you can't join us in the after show on YouTube because they kicked us off. But if you want, you can hop on Rumble. You can hop on Twitter, and you can hop on Facebook. So there you go. So join us in the after show if you can. Uh, Rumble, Facebook, Twitter. We'll be right back with more right after this. Or we'll see you back tomorrow at 6 a.m. Central. Thank you for joining us on Your
1: Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired.
10: Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady
6: of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
1: Welcome to the Holy Mass, live from Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the Salt community. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate Monday of the 12th week in Ordinary Time. This holy sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for all those listening in on the Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers.
2: Holy, holy, holy. Trinity
10: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Amen Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ
1: And with your spirit
10: My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries I confess to Almighty God May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life.
2: Amen. Lord, have mercy.
11: Lord, have mercy.
2: Christ, have mercy. Christ,
11: have mercy. mercy.
2: Lord, have
11: mercy lord have mercy
10: let us pray grant O lord that we may always revere and love your holy name for you never deprive of your guidance those you set firm on the foundation of your love through our lord jesus christ your son who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the holy spirit god forever and ever amen A reading from the book of Genesis. The Lord said to Abram, Go forth from the land of your kinsfolk and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the communities of the earth shall find blessing in you. Abram went as the Lord directed him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai, his brother's son Lot, all the possessions that he had accumulated, and the persons that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land as far as the sacred place at Shechem, By the Terabith of More, the Canaanites were then in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham, Abram, and said, "To your descendants I will give this land." So Abram built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved on to the hill country east of Bethel, pitching his tent with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. He built an altar there to the Lord and invoked the Lord by name. Then Abram journeyed on by stages to the Negeb. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God.
10: Blessed the people the Lord has chosen to be his own.
1: Blessed, Blessed the, the, people the people the Lord, Lord has, has chosen, chosen to be, to be his, his own.
10: own. Blessed the nations whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen for his own inheritance, from heaven, the Lord looks down. He sees all mankind.
0: Blessed, Blessed are the people, the people, the Lord has, has chosen, chosen to, to be his own. his own.
10: See, the eyes of the Lord are upon those who fear him, upon those who hope for his kindness, to deliver them from death and preserve them in spite of famine. Blessed, Blessed are the people, the Lord, the Lord has, chosen has chosen to be his, his own. Our soul waits for the Lord, who is our help and our shield. May your kindness, O Lord, be upon us, who have put our hope in you.
2: Blessed Blessed is the people the the Lord Lord has chosen chosen to be be his his own. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Living and effective able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart Alleluia. Alleluia.
0: Alleluia. Alleluia.
10: the Lord be with you
1: and with your spirit
10: a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew
1: glory to you O Lord
10: Jesus said to his disciples, Stop judging that you may not be judged. For as you judge, so will you be judged, and the measure with which you measure will be measured out to you. Why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me me remove that splinter from your eye while the wooden beam is in your eye? You hypocrite! Remove the wooden beam from your eye first. Then you will see clearly to remove the splinter from your brother's eye. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise Praise to you, you, Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ.
10: Remember last week we were going through the the second letter of St. Paul to Corinthians, and now we sort of jump way back to the beginning, to Genesis, and the call of Abraham. In fact, these next weeks, as we journey in ordinary time, that theme of faith will, be, from that first reading, become important, because Abraham is our father in faith, because God called him. He simply said, "Go from your land and your kinfolk, from your father's house to a land that I will show you." And Abraham took everything. We can assume from what it says there that he was very successful there from his hometown that he did very well. But then to, to pick up everything and to, to go on the move and to not know exactly where you're going, he says, just go to a land that I will show you. But he took everything. And there is, I think, lies sort of a bit of the courage of, of Abraham. He didn't leave something behind just in case it didn't work out. He took everything. All of his cattle, everything, his wife, his, uh, his, his son, uh, Lot, took everything and went. All the people who, who, who worked and served for him. And you have to appreciate, too, those who are like his wife and those who went with him. You know, they, too, had some kind of faith to believe that this guy was, you know, was telling the truth, that God had spoken to him and indicated that, he, that they should leave and go to what would be the land of Canaan. So faith will be an important theme. faith, remember from the letter of the Hebrews, defines it, faith is defined as the substance of things hoped for, the proof of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for. Of course, Abraham is looking for something greater than just land. He's looking for the promise. And that already is, is there, although he can't see it. Just like God says that he will, he will make of him a great nation. And it's only even towards the end of his life that Abraham even begins to see a grain of that. So it is that belief that faith really is this habit within us, a stable disposition of our spirit, through which eternal life takes root in us, and reason then is led to consent to what it does not yet see, but knows that it's true. That's the faith. And so we want to ask in these, these coming weeks for an increase of faith, the faith that Abraham you know, exercised in his own life. We look at the gospel. How many have ever heard somebody say to us, don't judge me? (laughs) Stop judging, Jesus says, that you may not be judged. For as you judge, so you will be judged, and the measure which you measure will be measured out to you. Does Jesus mean that we don't make any judgments? Well, that would be impossible. As human beings, we have to make judgments. We don't have the knowledge, the perfect knowledge of everything. And in that case, too, we would have judges who would never make a decision about anything if they didn't, if they couldn't judge. No, we have to judge. But what we have to be careful of is the way that we judge. Because sometimes we, mis- or we misjudge the intentions of somebody else. And Jesus reminding us, you know, first of all, we have to take kind of a look at ourselves and to see, you know, what is it? What is the measure with which we measure? Because oftentimes when we judge others, it's based on our own our own criteria. He says, but to, but to first of all, take a look at ourselves and to see what is the measure with which we measure. Because that measure has to be Jesus Christ. He is the new measure. And so we need to not only evaluate our own, our own self by that, by that measure, by Jesus, but then others too. And so we don't want to make any rash judgments on people or to interpret things, you know, uh, irresponsibly, because that's tended what we do. But, you know, when we start out with an argument, we're, we're, we want to first of all be in the right, <laughs> and then so what's if the other person would just change, then everything would be okay. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. So the per, the way person has to change. Jesus is reminding us is first of ourselves. That's what has to change. So then we can, if we can remove that beam that is in our own eye, then we can see the speck for a speck with a splinter, a very small piece of wood, in the other person's eye. So it's not that we don't judge at all, when we have to. That's part of life. But we don't want to judge, say, rashly or harshly, but, to, but the measure is always Jesus Christ. May the Lord help us in this endeavor that he may be the true measure of our life in everything. Dear brothers and sisters, gathered as one to celebrate the good things we have received from our God, let us ask him to prompt in us prayers that are worthy of his hearing. Let us pray for Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy, with the people entrusted to their charge. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who hold a public office and for those who assist them in promoting the common good, let us pray to the Lord.
1: Lord, hear our prayer.
10: For those who travel by sea, land, or air, for captives and all held in prison, let us pray to the Lord.
1: Lord, hear our prayer.
10: For all of us gathered in this sacred place, those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, joining us by faith and devotion and by reverence and love for God, let us pray in this time for an increase of faith and that our true measure will always be Jesus Christ. Let us pray to the Lord.
1: Lord, hear our prayer
10: pray to for those who are enrolled in our salt mass association in a special way i'd like to pray for my mom and her birthday let us pray to the lord
0: lord
1: hear our prayer prayer.
10: may the petitions of your church be pleasing in your sight O lord so that we may receive from your mercy what we cannot ask out of confidence in our own merits through christ our lord
0: Amen. amen
2: Faith of our fathers, living still, in spite of dungeon fire and sword. Oh, how our hearts beat high with joy when we hear that glorious word. Faith of our fathers, holy faith, will we be true to thee till death. Our fathers chained in prison stark were still in heart and conscience free. And truly blessed would be our fate If we like them should die for thee Faith of our Father's hope.
10: Dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father.
1: May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church.
10: Receive, O Lord, the sacrifice of conciliation and praise, and grant that cleansed by its action, we may make make offering of a heart pleasing to you through Christ our Lord.
2: Amen.
11: Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God. For just as through your beloved Son you created the human race, so also through him, with great goodness, you formed it anew. And so it is right that all your creatures serve you, all the redeemed praise you, and all your saints with one heart bless you. Therefore, we too extol you with all the angels, and in joyful celebration we acclaim. Sanctus,
2: Sanctus, Sanctus Sanctus Dominus Deus Abbao,
0: plenis un celi gloria Tua. Hosanna in excelsis benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis.
10: You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice look we pray upon the oblation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body one spirit in Christ may he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we wait the blessed hope in the coming of our savior jesus christ
1: for the kingdom the power and the glory are yours now and forever
10: lord jesus christ who said to your apostles peace i leave you my peace i give you look not on our sins but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will who live and reign forever and ever amen the peace of the Lord be with you always.
1: And with your spirit.
10: Let us offer each other a sign of peace.
2: On you stay,
0: quit on stay sweet holy speck of a moondee misery no percatamundi, dona nobis you
10: The eyes of all look to you, Lord, and you give them their food in due season.
1: For those who cannot receive sacramental Holy Communion at this time, we pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from
2: you. Amen. O Lord, I am not Shouldst come to me, but speak the word of comfort, my spirit healed shall be, and humbly I'll receive thee, the bright groom of my soul. No more by sin to grieve thee Or fly thy sweet control O sacrament most holy O sacrament divine All praise and all thanksgiving Be every moment thine.
10: Let us pray. Renewed and nourished by the sacred body and precious blood of your Son, we ask of your mercy, O Lord, that what we celebrate with constant devotion may be our sure pledge of redemption through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you.
1: And with your spirit.
10: Bow down for the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. May he let his face shine upon you and show you his mercy. Amen. Amen. May he turn his countenance toward you and give you his peace. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, come down in you and remain with you forever.
2: Amen.
10: Go forth.
2: The Mass is ended. Thanks Thank be to God. God. Hail, Holy Queen, enthroned above. O oh, Hail, Mother of...
6: The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel
7: Peace always in the name of Christ our Lord, Amen.
0: Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network Radio for your soul.
7: Hi, I'm Megan. You're listening to AM 1430, KSHJ Houston part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.